Longhorn fans, Sooner Nation, welcome to episode 45 of the Boomer Bevo podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma. I'm with my man, Kevin Miller. I'm John Whitson. We are so um, sorry for the delay in getting out another episode. We were fully committed to doing a recap episode of the national championship game, but we could not bring ourselves to revisit the absolute dumpster fire that was the national championship game between Georgia and TCU. I mean, between, yeah, between Georgia and TCU. It was, it was a mockery of all sporting events ever. It was a disaster. It is Every argument as to why schools that aren't named Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State should ever play in a national championship game. Kevin, what am I missing from that disgusting display of college football? Nothing at all. You want to talk about men against boys? I mean, TCU did not belong on the field with uh, with Georgia at all. Here's my here's my argument. Let me play devil's advocate to that. And I agree. I think I agree with you. So I, it's I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate because I just want to throw it out there. Um, you know, they talk about the transitive property, right, from mathematics and, and moving that over to sports. If A be, mm-hmm. if team A beats team B and team B beats B C and team D beats B A, then you know, so and so should have beat so and so. So uh, we both saw the same game. It TCU, I, I don't even know what the heck happened. The ball started rolling, they got, but let's think about this. Let's extrapolate this just a little bit, okay? TCU beat Michigan. And we were on this podcast saying, hey, TCU beats Michigan. Man, they look good. They were aggressive. They're running the ball. Every time it was fourth down, you knew they were going to pick it up. They look like the tougher of the two teams. They made, you know, um, defensive plays, the whole thing. So we felt good about it. We didn't think it was a fluky win by any means. Would you agree with that? 100%. Okay. Would you also agree that Ohio State was a kick away from beating Georgia? Absolutely. If if Ryan Day handles the final three plays better, he's probably even closer to beating Georgia than he was than he even was, right? I mean, he gave them he gave his kicker a crappy shot at it, but they were a kick away from beating Georgia, which would have put Ohio State playing TCU. Michigan beat Ohio State. Beat the brakes well, off of him. Beat the brakes off of them. So we saw a TCU team beat a Michigan team that beat Ohio State team that could have, should have beat Georgia, right? We all saw that happen. Correct. All correct. And yet somehow, and I agree with you, TCU didn't deserve to be on the field against Georgia. So I don't know what, I don't know if it was a matter of Georgia being more prepared for the spotlight, Kirby Smart having a better game plan, the simple talent gap was, was, exposed after having played, you know, maybe TCU had so much time to prepare for Michigan um, that it allowed for creative coaching to kind of have maybe a little bit of an advantage. Um, But it was, it was rough. So that's why we didn't do it because, okay, look, we just filled three minutes talking about that. That's the extent to which I want to talk about that game. What, what, what do you have any other final thoughts on the national championship? No, man, it's just one of those nightmare, you know, 
I think coaches, I think fans do this too, but coaches, I'm sure, do it. If everything goes wrong, how bad would it be? And if they imagine that, I don't think it was even that bad. It was worse than they could have ever imagined. I mean, 65 7. Oklahoma's been on the end of some bad losses in college football playoffs, not in the finals, but obviously to, uh, in a BCS game to USC, uh, LSU in the Peach Bowl. So I know what it feels like, but man, it was bad. It was bad, bad, bad. But anyway, hey, season's over. Hey, and to be fair, it, it, it sucks for TCU because it caps off. They had a really great season. What yeah, and I, yeah, and they didn't show what they could do, right? No. That's that's what really sucks about it for them. They didn't get right. a chance to show the nation what they're really about because they're not as bad as they looked on the field that night. No, they're not. We all can agree with that. They're absolutely not. Um, it's back. We're going to talk some college football. We're going to talk tra- – I mean, yeah, we're going to talk transfer portal. We're going to talk um, players that have enrolled in the spring. We're going to get to that um, because this is a football podcast. But we are in the heart of basketball season. The Texas Longhorns are still playing really well despite the loss of their coach, Chris Beard, back in December. I don't know if we've talked about it on the on the podcast or not. If we did talk about it, um, it was just briefly. I don't think he'd been fired yet, but he's been fired. We know that. Um, I will say this, Kevin. Back in the summer, there was an online poll of which coach in the Big 12 would most likely be arrested for a domestic violence abuse. And Chris Beard had an overweight. He was like 98%. Oh, um, is that so? Like, yeah, he was 98% likely to happen to him. So this doesn't come as a surprise to anybody. Okay. Um, based on his sideline demeanor and just overall personality. At the same time, how has Texas responded to not having Chris Beard? And how are y'all feeling about your season so far? And you've got a pretty good slate of games coming up. You've got you've got um, Kansas on February 6th. But the week before that, you play Tennessee. Uh, you've got two easy games with West Virginia and Oklahoma State. You know, as easy as anything gets in the Big 12. What do you feel about your season so far? How's everybody responded to Chris Beard leaving? What are the next two weeks looking like for you guys? Well, shout out to the players, right? I mean, losing your head coach in such a public scandal like this, it seems like it would be a major distraction, but they've kept playing and they kept playing well. You know, um, you can see the coaching is a little bit different, but I think Rodney Terry has done a good job. The defense is not as intense as it was under Beard. I think the offense has opened up a little bit, though. But no, they're still playing well. I think their record probably wouldn't be any different if Chris Beard was still the head coach. So, yeah, I'm really proud of the players for keeping focused through all this. I mean, y'all are maintaining uh, um, the seventh, uh, a number seven ranking. So you're, you know, well inside the top 10. And that's playing a Big 12 schedule today, which has just been brutal for everybody that's played in it, unless you're named Kansas. Um, So, it, it, it's pretty commendable that you're staying ranked so high. How are you going to fare after these next two games when you get to Tennessee and you have, it goes, the, the gauntlet is Tennessee, Baylor, K-State, Kansas. I mean, those four games, that's going to show what, that's going to show. If you're yeah, well, you, we'll know, right? I mean, they, they did lose to Iowa State um, the other night. 
uh, 78-67 on the road up in Ames. And you know how it is there on the road in this conference. It's just hard to win games. I think you just have to stack up wins, right? The Tennessee game, I mean, I think it's more of just measurement to see where you're at. It doesn't really mean anything as far as conference play goes. So that's really what I'm more concerned about. But it'll be nice to go and play against Rick Barnes and, and see how they play in that environment. So I'm looking forward to it. I've always loved that about um, about college basketball is that good teams play each other in the regular season. You get exciting um, big time matchups, whether it's early on in some of those preseason, you know, pre-conference tournaments or I love what the Big 12 and the SEC do every year. I mean, it's one no, of the best. Great. It's one of the best weekends of college basketball for me, anyway. I mean, right. you and they and they tend to match up teams that have some interest level there. You know, like to be able to put Tennessee against Texas and have uh, your former coach at Tennessee, it just helps the storylines. But man, Tennessee is what, what did I t- what did I say they were ranked ninth, number if, nine. Yeah, if you play today, it'd be seven versus nine. I mean, that's. That's a sweet little matchup. That's a big matchup, yeah. And just over the years, right, I've seen Texas play against the likes of Duke, UConn, um, North Carolina during the season. So, yeah, that's the beauty of college basketball. You don't really get that too often with with, uh, football. My favorite all-time game was when um, Oklahoma played LSU. Okay. And we we went down to Baton Rouge, and it was our really, really good team. So it would have been 20 16, 20. The Buddy Hill team? The Buddy Hill team that went to the Final Four. And we got to play Ben Simmons, who was, you know, supposed to be so freaking good. And we just beat the brakes off of him. And Buddy Hill just clearly delineated why he was the best player in college football. I mean, college yeah. basketball. I, he just no and it was just, it was a lot of fun to watch. And I just, um, I, yeah, but I do. I like that weekend. I, I love the fact that basketball teams will play each other. I think that's really, there there's, doesn't seem to be that. You don't have to work because there's so many games and 68 teams get into the tournament. You don't have to – the strength of schedule – the strength of schedule argument is for the last eight in, right? It's not – the big boys can go lose three games. Nobody's going to, you know – Yeah, they're still getting in at a high C, too. um, On the Oklahoma side of things, I am so pissed that we lost to Oklahoma State last night. I – there's really no reason for it. We're a better team than Oklahoma State. I know it's a road game. But one of their best players is hurt, played limited minutes. There's just no reason to lose. Um, I'm getting really frustrated with this team. They're hanging around. They're a tough team. They seem to have a lot. But we got we to gotta start winning some of these games, and we need to have some second-half production. And I'm specifically speaking to Grant Sherfield. Okay, Grant Sherfield is a nice basketball player. Would you agree yes. with that? Oh, yeah. He's a walking bucket, man. He can score. Okay. But – this is the problem I have, Kevin. It's it's like he's getting a take. It it. I feel like when he was in Nevada and prior to that Wichita State, he probably had a much easier time getting his shot off. He seems to go into a shell when the other team starts decides they're going to go ahead and play defense on him. We noticed that in the Texas game and at the Red River game. We noticed here in Norman. Yep, we absolutely – you did. You were there live, and you saw it. And what's frustrating to me is not that he's not getting his shot off or not getting the touches. It's that he's very stagnant on the offensive end, okay? He's not moving without the ball. He's not trying to create. He's not going to the basket. He's not trying to draw fouls. He's not trying to get his shot off. He just seems – 
And I'm going to say this. I think it's okay to criticize this guy. He's 23 years old. He's a you know super senior, whatever. So I, you know, I'm not picking on some true freshman. I think he acts pouty when he doesn't get his points. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw that. We saw that in the Texas game. Uh, we saw it in um, was it the tech? I don't even remember what other game it was. But again, against Oklahoma State, he oh man, dude, he went for 15 in the first half. He was getting shots up, but the minute he felt a little adversity in the second half, it's like he just kind of slumped his shoulders and. You know, the energy level just went kaput, and I just – it drove me nuts. Do you ever feel that way about a player? Oh, yeah, of course. And, and it's disappointing because he has the ability to do anything. He can take it to the basket. He can shoot the three. I mean, he can score even against good defense. In that Texas game, I mean, I will, he was scoring I, some very – on some very well-contested shots. I, I think he's north of 90% from the free throw line, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's like 91 or 92% at the free throw line. He, he, someone can correct me. I, I know he's a very good free throw shooter. So, you know, we just spoke about Buddy Heald. You, 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 there, there's Players will have hard times shooting the ball sometimes. That's just the way it works. And the other teams will figure out ways to defend those good players, especially in a league as tough as the Big 12. But good players, a la Buddy Heald, I'll, uh, um, I'll give me a Texas player. Give me somebody that you that y'all always liked at Texas. That was good. Kevin Durant, not Kevin Durant, but you know what? <laughs> Kevin Durant is a good example. I mean, Kevin Durant's kind of almost too good to be an example for yeah. anybody normal. But the point is, when they're struggling, what do they do to get their points? They get to the line. Yeah, get to the line. Yeah, they take they it to the basket, to the get fouled, and you and you look up there and you're like, man, you had 15 in the first half and you've had nine points all on free throws. You know, that's that's what his yeah. stat line should have been yesterday. And so, and it's like, yeah, you might not be getting your shot up, but they're going to call the foul. Now, I will say this, as an Oklahoma fan, and you know this as a Texas fan, we have been getting hosed by the officials all season. Man, all season. It, especially in Big 12 play. The disparity in officiating is laughable. I mean, we cannot get out of this league fast enough. Did you see what happened to Dylan Mitchell? I don't mean to cut you off, but Dylan Mitchell, uh, he's a five-star freshman. He's a one-and-done guy for Texas. They're playing on the road against Iowa State the other night. He jumps up for a rebound. The Iowa State player literally shoves him, undercuts him. Kids fall from like 10 feet right on his stomach with his arm underneath him. No foul, no nothing. Ref standing right there. You know they can review that. Yes. That's, That's the other problem. And if you can't, if you're not watching this YouTube video, shame on you because I'm getting animated. You can review that now, so there's no yeah. excuse. There is. It was a flagrant no one, at least it's a flagrant one. I know exactly what play you're talking about. It's a flagrant one. And on the Oklahoma side, Tanner Groves is the. It gets called for the tickiest tack fouls at the at, at the offensive end, and then I mean at the defensive end, and then on the offensive end, they can just beat the crap out of them. I mean, they are just shoving them around and knocking them down. Now, listen, whoever's if, if this is your first time listening to the Boomer Bebo podcast, Kevin and I rarely compa- complain against refs. I mean, we joked about we joked about like the holding call statistic that both of our schools suffered this past football season. We whatever, but we rarely complain about them because you got to take yourself out of those positions. Oklahoma didn't lose a football game because of the refs last year. Not one game did they lose because of the refs. So we don't complain about the refs. Kevin is not a ref. I'm saying statistically, you can look at the statistics of this basketball season in the Big 12, and Oklahoma and Texas 
are getting destroyed by the referees. And it's honestly bordering a little bit on ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane, man. I mean, guys are getting hacked, no call. And guys are getting called for just ticky-tack fouls on the other end. It's stupid. It's so frustrating, man. It's, it's kind of like what you see sometimes in the NBA. In, like certain refs, you know, if Scott Foster's officiating the game, it's going to be a badly game, officiated game. It's like that for everybody when it comes to Texas and Oklahoma. Every, yeah, it's unbelievable. Every game. Um, we did not lose to Oklahoma State. But I'll say this. We did not lose to Oklahoma State because of the refs. We lost to Oklahoma State because Grant Sherfield went over in the second half because he didn't get to the line. And we've, if you're going to be the man, which he wants to be, then be the man. Go yeah. score. Go Do get it. points. Yeah, no one's stopping Oklahoma. you. Nobody's no one's getting in your way. Listen, dude, it's Oklahoma State. Yes, they are a good defensive team. Every team in the Big 12 is a good defensive team. you got to go get your points. So go get them. I will. Man, I just, real quick. I want to shout. Yuzon, though, true freshman, that boy just needs to go to the basket more. When he goes to the basket, good things happen. And a lot of times they're dunks at the rim, which is just awesome. Six foot four point guard, true freshman. He looks great. Um, Jacob Groves, keep shooting, dude. Your shot is looking better and better with every game. And then Godwin, the walk on, man, that guy just plays with some. He's a white boy. You know what I'm talking about? Plays with yeah. energy. I, so there's a lot of things to like about this team. Sherfield, I'm sure you're listening to the Boomer Bebo podcast. Shoot the ball, get to the basket, get fouled, make your free throws, give us some points. Help us out in the second half. Eighty-four point six percent from the line, by the way, for him so far. Okay, it's well, pretty. I mean, I'm sorry, eighty-six percent. Still pretty good. Yeah, I, I apologize for everybody for ninety-one, ninety-two. It doesn't matter. Eighty-six. I mean, we're not. I mean, we're not far off here. No. So, Big Twelve standing so far in basketball. Oh, Kansas real State. Quick, real quick. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. And then we'll talk about the standings. We talked about your gauntlet. Listen to this. Oklahoma, after losing to Oklahoma State. Bleh. Baylor, number 21. TCU, number 14. Number four, Bama. That's that's the next three games. We're, we're two and four in the conference. And that's what we have to go up against over the next. I mean, we could be easily two and six in conference before we even go play Bama. It's not a lot to separate the teams in this league when you think about them from an actual team standpoint. But, man, teams like Kansas, they just get wins. They just know how to close out games. And seem, that seems to be the difference right now between a Kansas, a K-State, Iowa State, and an Oklahoma. Kansas uncharacteristically lost that game against K-State. Yeah. That was one of the weirder coaching jobs by by Bill Self, and I'm not a Bill Self fan. But that was one of the weirder coaching jobs. All that to be said, you're 1,000% right. At the end of the day, Kansas figures out how to win games unlike any team I've ever seen. For years. Mm-hmm. For years now. It's it's uncanny. They've got an ability. And they've d- demonstrated it so often with so many different players against so many different teams that it, the only thing you can point to is Bill Self. I don't know what else yeah. you can point to. Am I yeah. wrong? No, it has to be. I mean, we've seen this for decades now. You know, we talked about this the other day. The teams that Texas and Oklahoma has taken to Allen Fieldhouse and still walked out with L's. The players that we've taken up there. You guys have taken Blake Griffin up there, walked out with an L. To Kevin Durant, he goes, he scores 38 points and we still lose the game. Well, we looked at that Buddy Hill game. How many points did Buddy have? Oh, yeah. Was it 40 48? 46? Yeah. 48? I yeah, mean, still lost. 
Yeah, we lost it's insane. Overtime. One of the best college mm-hmm. basketball games I'd ever seen, but we still lost. I mean, and that was a great OU team, Final Four team. Um, yeah, Texas no, Final Four team way, way back in 2003 with TJ Ford and them. Still went up there, lost to Kansas. That was it's a good team. Final Four team, yeah. That was a good so, team. Um, uh, so, okay, I, I interrupted you earlier. Standings. Give us quick Big 12 standings. Yeah, Kansas State actually leading the conference right now, 5-1. and one. Kansas has the same record, but obviously Kansas State has a head-to-head win what the other night. Think, Iowa, what, did, what did you think about the K-State coach's comments about playing Kansas? The, <laughs> fact, that, the fact that you shouldn't hate you shouldn't hate that team. Come out because you like Kansas State, not because you hate Kansas. I get what he's saying. He's trying to build support. But, man, listen, you keep beating them. Then you know. Then he's right. But man, it's just years and years of history there. Where you've always gotten when you're always little brother to I, your in-state rival. I get where the fans are coming from. I don't. I I don't want an Oklahoma coach to tell me not to hate Texas. Yeah. I don't want to be preached to. Now, hey, first of all, I don't mind being preached nearly as much if you're beating them. <laughs> you, know, say, you, you win, yeah. Say what you want so, to, coach. So this guy, this guy beat Kansas, and so that's you know what I mean. So he gets a lot more yeah. grace. But like, if I had to hear about, you know, well, I mean, you know, come, you know, they're just another good team, and it's like, no, 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 no. I hate Texas, and and I've yeah, you on, know, I've said that last of, year. I've gone on plenty of rants as to why I hate Texas. So I don't want to hear. I, you know, we don't need to preach to me why I should just you know like Texas because they're no. I hate them. I hate them all. I hate all of them. No, no, and I agree. Like Brent Venables earlier in the season said, you know, we don't want to get excited, more excited for this game. All the games are important. I'm like, eh, mm. I don't know. This one's a little bit more important, man. You know, it, it just it, is. It sure felt like Texas thought it was more important. Well, yeah. I mean, we've talked about that in length. So I, I still can't make sense of that. I mean, as excited as I was and as happy as I still am about the results, I still can't make sense of the result from my Oklahoma okay. State. I keep interrupting you. Kansas State. Yeah, Kansas State five and one. Kansas also five and one. Iowa State five and one. They beat Texas the other night. Texas four and two. Quick, Iowa State was not supposed to be that good, right? I don't think so. No. I don't even think I don't they think were, so. They weren't ranked entering Big Twelve play, were they? I don't believe they were. Yeah, I don't think they yeah. were. And let me just see what they're ranked right now. Oh, I had it pulled up. What does it say what they're ranked right now in the, um, in the nation? 12, number 12. 12. Yeah, 12. They, I don't know that they were ranked because I remember Oklahoma early on losing to them. And I don't think they were ranked when we lost to them. So, you know, you're right. I remember that. They came into, yeah, into Norman, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then Texas is right below them. Yeah. Four and two for Texas. Um, TCU at three and three. Baylor also three and three. OU two and four. Same Oklahoma State two and four. West Virginia one and five. And Texas Tech, 0-6, probably the biggest surprise in the conference right now. Um, I think we're at the point in the season where we can start talking about this. Despite how hard the Big 12 is, I think at best you can get in at 8-10. and 10. And I yeah. think you have, at a minimum, have to be 8-10 and 10 in the conference. Yeah. And if you're Oklahoma, you might need to be 500. Yeah, there's plenty of uh, time left, but you know, historically the number was always was always 500 in the conference and 18 wins. If you could get to 18 wins and 500 in the conference, you were always in the tournament. Yeah, 
And that's that's usually the case. I know how hard the Big 12 is, but I don't think they're going to let you go down to like 7 and 11 in conference. And the OU right now, like I said, 2 and 4, 11 and 7 overall record. Yeah. Texas at 15 and 3 overall, 4 and 2. I haven't in seen, conference. I haven't seen bracketology lately. I imagine OU's out, right? You know, I haven't seen it, but I would imagine at this moment, man, the, the hard part for OU is that you got to win these games against the likes of Oklahoma State. You got to be Oklahoma State. Right? You can't, you gotta be, you yeah, gotta be you Oklahoma can't, State. Yeah, you can't lose that game. TCU's of the world. Baylor got to handle business, even though Baylor's probably better than their record shows. Even Texas Tech, Texas played them, and I mean, they yeah, have Baylor, to come back. Baylor's still ranked 21 in the country. Mm hmm. Yeah, so they're obviously well respected nationally. So um, it's fun, though, man. It's Big Twelve basketball is fun, and it's not the same level of anxiety as we get from football. So I, I just know. enjoy it. I was pretty pissed off last night when I was watching. Yeah, I get it, but you know, it doesn't ruin your weekend. No, it ruined like my losing a football game. It ruined my random Wednesday night. Um, if your random Wednesday night is ruined by a house fire, and you're having trouble with your insurance company. You need to call Brown O'Haver at 405-735-5510. Brown O'Haver adjusts insurance claims for the insured, not the insurance company. Insurance companies do not want to pay out money on insurance claims. They just don't. They're not in business because they pay out on insurance claims. They pay out begrudgingly. You have to take it from their dying hands. Make it a little easier. Let Brown O'Haver extract it from their dying hands and methods that they've done, that they've used for over 20 years in the state of Oklahoma. Call 405-735-5510. If you're having an issue with your insurance claim, if you're a homeowner or business owner, give us a call. Let us adjust the claim for you to get you paid more money more quickly. 405-735-5510. Kevin. Um, Oklahoma is getting a lot of love on their transfer portal game. Um, on three had us ranked as like the seventh most active team in the portal. Uh, in 24 seven, we're ranked 10th overall in the portal. Now explain to me these rankings, because this is the first time I've really paid attention to them. Um, I mean, I paid attention to the portal, but never really the rankings. Do they take the additions and the subtractions, like the stars on each player? Is that how that works? Or is it That's how I imagine. You know, honestly, I'm not 100% sure. But if they're basing it just off the additions, then you guys have to be ranked really high because you got some pretty good guys coming in. Let me also ask you this question. You're not inspiring me with a lot of confidence now that you didn't know the answer to that one. This is like the first question I've ever asked on the Boomer Bebo podcast that you didn't have the answer to. So I'm quite, I'm, I'm a little shook. But my second question is, when I was going through our list and I was looking at the rankings, um, like say, uh, like the Walker Roos kid who, uh, or Walter Rouse kid, the kid from uh, Stanford, mm-hmm. he's, he's ranked as a four-star is that a new ranking as a transfer or is that his original high school or his final high school ranking? Do you know? They have both. They have portal rankings where they um, kind of think they are as far as a portal, like the impact that it can have. They can have a five-star impact or a four-star impact. I believe it's based on that. 
So okay, so if I'm look because I'm using two four seven. So if I'm if you're looking at the okay. two four seven, and Oklahoma's ranked tenth, we think maybe it has to do with losses a little bit, but on the other side, those those star rankings are based on on a reevaluation of their performance so far in college. Correct. Look, dude, Oklahoma's done what they've needed to do. This is. And and they've done it to the point now with two good recruiting classes, a decent transfer season last year, although, you know, Nick Evers kind of bolstered that. Not Nick Evers. Yeah, yeah, Nick Evers. He That was the, that was the recruiting season, so I apologize. But um, we had a decent transfer season, but two good recruiting classes. And now you're having what's ranked as the 10th season, the 10th best transfer class in the country by 247. It was like sixth or seventh on, on three. And you hit at defensive line, offensive line, defensive line, offensive tackle, edge, defensive line. I mean, that's like everything you're supposed to – that's what you're supposed to get out of the portal. Am I wrong? Well, no, not at all, especially now because it was vital for you to replace the lineman that you lost, right? It oh, was vital. Absolutely. You guys yeah. lost some – two good players, two really good tackles. Uh, Harrison was a really good player, and so was – Morris. Wanye Morris. So, yeah, to be able to replace him with a guy like Walter Rouse, I mean, these are instant plug-and-play guys. I mean, dudes at Stanford, that, that that's a good – that's historically a very good offensive line. When you think of right. offensive line play, at least from a run game, I mean, my brain immediately goes to Wisconsin and Stanford. I mean, yeah. that's just right. – that, maybe Michigan, but really even more so was to me mm-hmm. – Historic, maybe not with Luke Fickle. We'll see how that you know evolves. But it's always been you think about offensive linemen at Wisconsin and offensive linemen at Stanford, and so to get a kid, and I guess he's going to go back to school and finish school at Stanford, and he's like some sort of genius kid. Like, listen, with Stanford, they have the same standards. The athletes have the same standards as the general students. Most schools. You know, the admission standards are lowered for athletes, for scholarship athletes. But Stanford, no, you have to be a normal Stanford-level student to get admitted into the university. So if you're there, it's because you're mentally smart enough to be there. Yeah, I I was trying to find – I couldn't find – I heard it on the radio what he had – what he had – was going to go back to school for, and it was just something crazy. Like – yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know, microbiology or something. I mean, just some really legit um, major. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is you're getting a, we're getting a smart kid there. Um, obviously, we're getting Austin Stogner back. We're getting the tight end, Blake Smith from AM. and um, I'm fascinated by getting uh, Reggie uh, – is it Reggie Parson from Texas Tech, Trace Ford, and Deshaun McCullough. Uh, Pearson, yeah, the very physical safety. Yeah, and he's only a listen. The McCullough star. kid is is the one that really has my interest. Well, the McCullough that, kid. I'm, I mean, and I'm curious to see what Trace Ford's going to do. I, you yeah. know, I know he's come off some injuries and stuff, and he hasn't been able to go to his full potential at OSU. But I mean, these are instant impact players. These are players that you expect to start or play day one, and they're all absolutely, enrolled. and they're all enrolled. And man, look, Dayson McCullough, it's a borderline five-star recruit coming out of high school. And most players, you know, you transfer because of either a lack of playing time or you want to 
maybe improve and go to a bigger stage. And that's why he's leaving, right? I mean, this kid was going to go to Ohio State. His dad got a job on the Indiana staff. That's why he went to Indiana. But this is a kid that was being heavily recruited by the likes of Ohio State and Alabama. And he had a really good freshman season at Indiana. So the only reason he left is because his dad went to Notre Dame. So why would he stay at a place like Indiana if he why could play at Ohio State? Or, why do you think he didn't go to Notre Dame? You know, I don't, it's from what I hear, it's really hard to transfer into Notre Dame if you're a student at another university. They've got crazy admission standards, kind of like we talked about with Stanford. They're the exact same okay. at Notre Dame. So it would have been difficult for him to get in, in there. You know, and some so man, speaking, of, speak, speaking of Notre Dame, we're forgetting that the, the, the Jacob Lacey kid that that yeah, he committed to Oklahoma like back in October. Um, so that that's a that's a four star from Notre Dame. So that guy's kind of gotten lost in the in the shuffle there. But that's another defensive lineman. I mean, I, I guess my my point in all of this, with, at least with the additions, and then we'll get to some of the subtractions. But at least with the additions and with the recruiting class and with your quarterback coming back. Brent Venables is running out of excuses. There, there's not a lot. He's got his guys. He's got his quarterback. He's got um, – he's still in the Big 12. Uh, TCU is losing everybody. Um, it, there's there's not going to be a ton of excuses left for what – for reasons why Oklahoma should not win more football games significantly more football games agreed the roster is completely overhauled these are all going to be his guys uh this year so and they're good know, about, yeah and oh they're yeah good. yeah these talented guys um i still have a few questions about the wide receiver position going into the season right with with mims deciding to go to the draft um they brought in a couple guys a kid from michigan i just don't know much about him i don't remember him being much of an impact guy um, at Michigan, Theo Weiss is gone too. So, um, but again, the portal window closed today, but there'll be a second one. There'll okay. be a second one after spring practice ends. Okay. Let me ask you about that window. And because I was going through the list of departures, um, guys like Bray Walker and, Aguebu, which I think is a loss. I think Oklahoma's trying to like, I think it's a huge loss. He had a great season. Oklahoma fans trying to go, well, I mean, you know, no, he was one of our leading tacklers. Now, listen, up until this season, he was not an impact player. But under Venables, he's one of the guys, you can say he really improved playing in that defense. I mean, I'm happy. If he's leaving because he feels like he's not going to get a guaranteed start, and doesn't want to compete or whatever, then that's, I, I guess, whatever, you know, good riddance if you don't want the competition, I guess. But regardless of why he's leaving, that's a loss. He had a lot of tackles, another yeah. year in the system, another year playing next to Stutzman. I, maybe, maybe he doesn't win, but I would have just loved to have him in that room pushing whoever was going to win. So that position, that starting spot. So I, I'm concerned about that. But here's my question about Aguebu and these guys is they haven't committed to anybody yet. So the window is closed. Can they still – can they commit after the window, though? Correct. You just have to be in the portal by okay. a certain day. So that's correct. You just can't be in – you just can't leave. Okay. Decide so they, you want to enter the portal after today. Okay. So there's not a commitment date, though. That's just a declare no. you're in the portal date. 
Correct. You can still do visits and everything. The receiver, A.D. Mitchell from Georgia, we'll, we'll get to Texas later, but he entered uh, he entered the portal yesterday, and he hasn't committed anywhere. He'll be taking visits over the next few weeks. So, But how did, how, what are they going to – are they not going to play in the spring semester, or are they going to try to enroll – in like second tier, second half semester classes, or how does that? Work? You know that that's I'm not exactly sure because we're running you out know, of time, right? For you like are most most classes started on Tuesday. I've already started this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. So I, I imagine most kids will be deciding pretty soon. Well, I I don't know. I to me, the only person on that list that really stuck out to me is like somebody that I I hope tests the waters and tries to come back is Aguebu. Everybody yeah. else, eh. I mean, I, I agree with you. I, first of all, we, we both like Theo Weiss, um, but nothing really ever. He didn't live up to what no. – he was a five-star kid. I mean, top receiver in the country, arguably, when he came out of high school, out of Allen. And, yeah, he just never really lived up to it. He always showed flashes but never became that consistent guy who we thought he could be. I thought he had the makings of a number one uh, receiver, and we just never saw it. To me, when it comes to the transfer portal, man – Unless you're a starter, you know, and sometimes you lose talented guys, right? Guys want to play. Yeah. That's really what it is. It's mostly guys who aren't playing or guys who just maybe need a fresh start. But looking at OU's list of, of guys that left, you have some guys you thought could have been good players, like a Nick Evers down the line. Um, I think Clayton Smith. On that Nick Evers, I think the Texas game defined – what the coaches thought about with Nick Evers. Yeah, they just did not think he was ready at all. Clearly. Not not one bit. No. Not one yeah. bit. If they were willing to roll out Davis Bevel and play the other half of the game in in um in yeah, Wildcat, Wildcat with, a, with yeah. a tight end, that tells you that they thought very, very little of Nick Evers. Yeah, they did not think he was ready at if all. If there wasn't an if there was ever an opportunity to give a kid snaps I don't know. Maybe when you're down 49 nothing in the fourth quarter against Texas and he didn't even – it never was a, a yeah. thought. And the fact that you you have four – you can play in four games, right? Yeah. It was, and still redshirt. So it's not like, you know, back in the day when you take one snap on special teams, your redshirt is burned. It's not like that anymore. So okay. you also uh, lose the Bray Walker kid from uh, – I think he's from Westmore. Yeah. He just never could get going. He's, border, again, borderline five-star – Guy come out of high school, he just never could uh, really get on the field. Yeah, you know that OU fan, especially under Lincoln Riley, was was starting to get critical of Bill Bedenboe as the offensive line coach, and so that Bray Walker kind of is that example of lack of development. You know, like you have the talent, you recruited him. This is your guy and you couldn't get him to where he needed to be, and you had to go to the transfer portal. You know, like, yeah. that, That I think, frustrates Oklahoma fan to see that level of talent leave and never have that potential realized. And with, with receivers, it's one thing. One, because receivers are kind of a mercurial position anyway. But number two, we're like on our third receiver coach now in two years. Um, different offensive systems. You know, you can – receivers are prima donna you know all those things can be made an excuse as to why you'd lose receivers but for offensive linemen you're like man bill beatenbow and all you're thinking about is all the guys that are still playing uh this weekend in the nfl right with lane johnson and uh, trent williams trent williams and um uh, the, the 
Creed Humphreys at uh, Kansas yeah, City. I Kansas mean, City. I, there right. might be more than I'm missing. I don't even know. But my point being is, we're kind of we're kind of frustrated by that. And Bray Walker kind of is emblematic of that frustration. Uh, we think, we hope that under Schmitty, that development comes back, the physicality comes back. I maybe it did this year. You had a pretty good rusher with Eric Gray. I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting with Sawchuck and um, and uh, Javante Barnes next year. Okay, University of Texas. Uh, walk us through the transfer portal. Y'all were, haven't been as active as we are, so give me very quiet. Yeah, very very quiet so far. The kid who I kind of started to talk about, Ad Mitchell, um, six foot four receiver from Georgia, pretty talented guy, good route runner. Scored a touchdown in both playoff games. I think he scored a touchdown in all four of the playoff games that he's played in at Georgia. But I think he's a guy. He's from Texas, actually. He's from the Houston area, moved to the Nashville area as a senior in high school, ended up going to Georgia. He's had a good career, but I hear he has some connections. I've heard rumors. I don't know if this is true or not, that he has a child, too, that's in Texas. So I think he wants to be closer to home. So Texas, I'm hearing it's in a pretty good spot for him. Um, if he comes to Texas, I think he's a guy who can start uh, right away. Wasn't there wasn't there some Xavier Worthy talk about him possibly entering? I guess that's a mute point now, right? There there was. There was talk about Xavier Worthy uh, hitting the portal. He never addressed it publicly or anything, but the rumors were there, but nothing ever happened. Nothing ever became of it. So um so he was I'm a, glad he didn't. No, you know, it, clearly the talent is there with him. Mm-hmm. But there was something missing, right? You'd agree that he didn't have the year you wanted him to have, right? I mean, that's not a not, that's not a big no. that's not a no, that's not unfair criticism at all. You the talk was possibly USC. And then I even heard OU. I heard that thing too. I, I, that, I guess you're that can't be real, Emmett Jones. Right? I don't think so. I mean, I think Emmett Jones followed him on Twitter, your new um wide receiver coach. Right. Great hire, by the way. And he probably it's a great he hire. probably recruited him at tech, right? So probably maybe so. And Xavier Worthy followed him back. So from there. The rumor mill just started going. Yeah. But so, I don't know. That never felt right. I, I never bought that. I, I thought the USC would have been a better a better option for him. USC absolutely made sense. It made sense. But I guess he's decided to stay. And I'm glad. Because like I said, I think he'll have a bounce back here next year. Him and Quinn just never really seem to get in sync. Quinn's overthrowing him. And then when Quinn does hit him, he's dropping it. So, yeah, I don't know. They got They got to get this thing going. Yeah, about the time one of them would yell at one, then the other one could yell at the other one for doing the other thing. So it was yeah, for sure. Okay, um, where are y'all ranked at in transfer portal? Oh, probably in the seventies. I mean, they brought in a, a transfer punter out of Stanford. They, uh, I think they're going to get Ad Mitchell, but that's not even uh, that's not even official. That's not even official yet. So man, it's yeah. been really, 45, really 45. quiet. 45. Yeah, and the guy, uh, the corner from Wake Forest, who's a pretty good player. He he was a pretty good player. Corner, um, Gavin Holmes, yeah, is uh, is his name. But man, other than that, you know, they lost some guys, but I mean, nobody really that's gonna upset is, you too much. Is that speak to um, 
does that just speak to the kind of the, the, the team maybe maturing a little bit underneath Sarkeesian? Like, it like, seems that way. Because like, with, I mean, under Herman's last classes, I mean, that, all those guys are gone. Yeah. You know, his last class, the majority of those guys were out of there. But no, yes, most guys just seem to be standing. And the guys who are leaving, it's just guys who are buried on the depth chart. Well, you know, I mean, now I, they did lose o- Ovia Gofu, who was a starter for them the last two years at Edge. He transferred to LSU for his last season. He came from Notre Dame. He played for Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. Brian Kelly's at LSU. He transferred there. But again, even then, and of course, Hudson Carr leaving, but again, that's a, that's a playing time. Yeah, yeah. he's not because he doesn't want to be a part of the program. So, well, he's got Archibald coming in. I mean, there's that he just went from maybe getting to play and playing well when he did play to he's not playing at all. I mean, he's got it. If you're a quarterback, you want to play. There's only there's only one position. There's only on the one. Yeah, yeah, they should go. Like Nick Evers, I mean, I get it, right? No one's upset where, with him about leaving. Where did where did Hudson Card end up? He ended up at Purdue, interestingly. Hmm. I know. I was very surprised. I thought he'd either stay in Texas, maybe um U of H or SMU, somewhere like that. TCU even. Uh did you see but, Kendall um, Did you see Kendall Browse is going to TCU? Yeah, Lots is it money. official? Is it so? yeah, yeah, I heard it's pretty much a pretty much a done deal. I mean, what do you think about that, man. That well, I just think it's significant because the national narrative would have you say, "Why would you leave an SEC school to go to a, mid, a middle tier?" Um, yeah, Big Twelve, Big 12 school, right? I mean, yeah. regardless of whether TCU made the, they're they're not Oklahoma or Texas. Yeah. And so to go to leave an SEC school to go there, I think speaks to uh, Sonny Dykes. Yeah, more, maybe more than anything, somebody wanting to coach for Dykes, mm-hmm. and then number two, I think recruiting because I think it's got to be easier to recruit TCU than it is Arkansas, and yeah. I just think Arkansas is a middle of the road program, maybe not even middle of the road, bottom third program in the SEC, and you probably yeah, your upside good. very limited upside there, right? Even if you have good players, they had a good team, you know, over the last couple of years, and you still end up with five losses, you know. Yeah. Five or six yeah. losses. And even at your almost best, you have to have really, we've only seen them really compete when they've had historically good players like Darren McFadden and Felix Jones in the backfield back in, uh, back in 07. Man, what a loaded backfield. God. And Peyton Hillis. Remember Peyton Hillis? Oh, God. Yeah. They had all three of those guys. Yeah. I mean, and, and uh, McFadden was a top five pick. Felix Jones was a first round pick for the Cowboys and, Peyton Hillis had a really good NFL career too. He was on the cover of Madden that year. Man, what they were talking so, about. They were so good. fun to watch. Yeah. Well, uh, I remember that. Didn't they play like a Thanksgiving Day game against LSU where McFadden oh, just yeah. went off? He just re- went nuts. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about peak LSU defense too with NFL guys all over, and he just ran all over him. And he was such a fun player to watch. All right, NFL, Kevin, NFL. We're in uh, the divisional round. I thought the games were pretty good this past weekend. We have Jags versus Chiefs. Now, these are the games we're going to pick. You destroyed me at college football. You are king of the mountain. You are, uh, you know, whatever the, whatever the moniker is, you, you won it in college football. Congratulations. I was a terrible, terrible pick. But I think I'm going to do better. I think I'm going to do better in the pros. So Okay, you think you're more of an NFL guy. Absolutely, hundred percent. Jacksonville okay. Jags at the Chiefs. Chiefs giving eight and a half. 
Um, my question for you is, does Jacksonville have any chance to win this game? They have a slight chance, right? Anything can happen. But, man, then, I, then you remember that Kansas City has Patrick Mahomes, and then it's like, man, I can't see him losing a playoff game to Jacksonville at home. Did you see the random scroll? Have you Do you watch NFL Channel very much? Sometimes. The scroll this for the last week has been that Trevor Lawrence in high school, college, and the pros has never lost a game played on a Saturday. Interesting. That's the most random there you stat go. I've ever heard. There you go. I don't know. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded, do you remember like uh, – uh, it wasn't. It was Little Big League. The the announcer in Little Big League when he would come up with like mm-hmm. random stats, you know, he was like, "He's one for five in a dome east of the Mississippi." You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But uh, anyway, uh, all right, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs win by ten. And it same, same. Nice comeback for the Jags, though, against um, – yeah. Nice comeback for the Jags against uh, the Chargers. Yeah, this is different, man. This is this is Patrick Mahomes, and he's a difference in all this. Is it is it wrong to admit that I turned that game off? Oh, no. Why, would, why wouldn't you have? I just I, basically had it in the background. I, I was on my computer, and I just looked up, and I'm like, oh, they scored. And then, oh, they scored again. Oh, they scored uh, again. I, and if you really think about it, though, real quick – the Chargers offense never looked great. Even in the first half, it was just a turnover. They're getting the ball inside the 20. Yeah. You're going to score at least a couple touchdowns, right? My uh, my son, Jeffrey Whitson of Brown O'Haver, uh, got married Saturday. Congratulations. So we, had, so we had the wedding, and we had like a rehearsal breakfast, and then we had the wedding, and then we, and then we all went to dinner, and uh, it was great. Beautiful Rachel, the new uh, daughter-in-law, is fantastic, and but anyway, we get back to the Airbnb and I'm exhausted. I'm just exhausted. And I see, and you know, the game was kind of, you know, and I'm like, eh, eh, whatever. And I turned it to something else. I think I fell asleep on the couch. I could not believe it when I woke up the next morning though. Cause you got to admit, even though, yes, I agree with you that their offense was not, you know, all that it's still, that's a big comeback for the NFL. No, you never would have thought, No, you know, you never would have thought. What was more crazy, that or the uh, Buffalo Bills and Houston Oilers in nineteen? I actually saw that as a kid. I saw, I saw it live too. Yes. Yeah, same. yes, I saw it live. I think the I think the Bills coming back because Warren Moon had them down thirty five to three. It was over thirty five three. Yeah, it was over God, with a backup quarterback. Remember that Frank Wright. Frank Wright. Yeah, went nuts with uh, but they still had Thurman and Andre Reed though. Uh, they had Thurman, Andre Reed, and then. Who was the who was their big defensive guy? Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith. How could I forget that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they also Cornelius Bennett. Oh, good linebacker. Best team never to win a Super Bowl, right? Easy, easy. Yeah, man. I mean, and they have four chances. Uh, four chances and a field goal. Yeah, the 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 first one. That's the one that the only one that was really close, right? I mean, the one against Washington the next year. I mean, it was 37-24 or something. I think. 52 to 17 to Dallas. Everybody picked and Buffalo then, that year. Everybody picked Buffalo that year. I mean, you remember we were the going first to one Texas. against Dallas. Yes. Yeah. Nobody had I mean, Texas winning that game. I mean, Dallas winning that game. Nobody had it. That was by far the biggest beatdown I've ever seen. I mean, I was too young to remember the 55 to 10 San Francisco over 
Denver. That was a little bit before my time. I was not too young for that. I was a John Elway fan in the 80s, and I was devastated. Devastated. Man, that was like the NFL equivalent of the um, TCU Georgia game. Doug Williams went off in the second quarter. What, four touchdowns? Okay, I'm not even talking about that one. That's how bad it was for the Broncos in the 80s when it came to Super Bowls. Which I was talking about? I'm talking about the 49ers and the Broncos. Oh yeah, no, they yeah, you're yeah, right. See, yeah, see, yeah, that's no. how bad it was, right? They got blown out by yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. No, I no, I my scars came from the Washington Redskins. Yeah, four touchdowns right in the second quarter. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. that that my scar came from that because Doug Williams just went, he just went insane. Um, yeah, I've I've seen that. I watched the highlights of that and just it's just touchdown, 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 oh. touchdown. It's just how is this happening? Yeah, and then 55 to 10 with the Buffalo one. The fourth one, though, against the Cowboys. Do you remember that one? It was in the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. Was in the Georgia Buffalo Dome was winning. Was in Georgia Dome or the Superdome? No, it was the Georgia Dome. Okay, you would know. All right. Yeah, uh-huh. and Buffalo was winning the game 13 to 6 at halftime. Dallas can do nothing offensively. And then Dallas comes out and outscores them 24-0 in the second half. It's Thurman fumbles. James Washington recovers it and takes it for a touchdown. It just completely fell apart. Emmett Smith had a pretty good game in that second half. He did have a good game. He did. He did. I still thought James Washington should have been the MVP because he had two big turnovers, one fourth score. But man, yeah. And to think that, you know, the Cowboys go to the Super Bowl two years later when it went it. Um, and then haven't got close since January 96. I haven't sniffed it. Um Giants, Eagles. Here's my here, Eagles are favored by seven and a half. Has Philly lost any momentum though? I feel like the I feel like the Giants are coming in with momentum, and Philly is limping in on a sore shoulder of, of Jalen Hurts. I'm just a little nervous about that. I I'm concerned too, man, because I just don't know how healthy Jalen Hurts is. Right, he just hasn't. When he came back, he just hasn't looked right. So yeah, I, I'm concerned. They're clearly the better football team overall. But you know, we've seen this before. Teams get hot in the playoffs, right? We saw it with Joe Flacco with the Ravens. We saw it with the Giants twice with Eli Manning. He's come out of nowhere and win the Super Bowl. And everybody's so, talking and everybody's talking about Brian Dable like he's the greatest he's a coach. Great ever. coach. He, he really they, is. I mean, the listen, dude, the NFC East coming into this year was derided. I mean, they were like, oh, the NFC, uh, they're terrible. Dude, they had three teams in the divisional round. Not yeah, just in the playoffs, but in the four. round. Washington was only a game out from making the playoffs, too. It was crazy. I got the Giants to cover. I don't think they I, win. I, I actually think the Eagles win. But I definitely, I'm picking the Giants to cover. It's uh, seven and a half. Did you say Giants? Giants to cover or Giants to win? Correct. Uh, Giants to cover. Yeah. I, uh, you know, the, uh, the younger daughter, I think I've talked about this, huge Eagles fan, going back to the Philly special days. She, uh, she fell in love with because I cheered for the Patriots and she was like, Well, I'll cheer for the Eagles. I said, if the Eagles win, I'll buy you a hat. And they I never think you know, I was gonna have to buy him a hat. Nick Foles is the freaking quarterback. Are you kidding? And even then, Tom Brady had it with two with two minutes to go. And you thought to yourself, Well, there's no way. There is no way we all knew it was gonna happen. I mean, it it was there. And it didn't. And it, yeah. it and it was one of the rare times. What it's like Michael Jordan missing that shot. You're just like kind of sitting there. Like, what what happened here? Yeah. Um so anyway, she got the hat this year though. She got all the swag. She got a uh, Jalen Hurts jersey, so she's fire. She wears that. She got the uh, she got the Eagles hoodie, 
We've watched Invincible with uh, Mark Wahlberg like 12 okay. times. So I, for her, I want the Eagles to win, although I'm not really a big Eagles fan. And even though no Jalen Hurts is a new quarterback, I'm, I'm just not a big – I don't know. No, he's just not – he's not one of y'all. You don't think, you know? I think I'm a – You, you claim him? Yeah, yeah, I claim him. I'd have claimed him more if he'd have played better against LSU. But um, here's the problem. I think I'm enough of a Cowboys fan that I can't like – I just don't like the Eagles. Same. Yeah, I was not happy when they won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Come on. I'm not a die no. I'm, You know, we're clearly – you and I are – I mean, it's a Boomer Bebo podcast. It's not the Cowboy podcast. I, I'm not an, in a, I'm not a freak, a freak NFL guy. I mean, playoffs come around, I get pretty fired up. But I'm, but the Cowboys are on so much in both when we were growing up in Texas and now here in Oklahoma mm-hmm. City that you just find yourself going, okay, well, if I got to watch you, at least win. And they just break your heart every year. But I just can't cheer for the. I feel weird about cheering for the Giants. I mean, I couldn't. No, I can't cheer for the Giants, mm-hmm. man. No, uh-uh. mm-hmm. I mean, I was happy. It was exciting to see them beat the Patriots after the 07 season, right? No. But, no, that no, it wasn't. I no. wanted to see perfection. I wanted oh, perfection. Not. Nah, man, it's just yeah, Brady, nope. the Patriots. I wanted perfection. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, what do we got? I think this is the game of the week, without a doubt. I, I think it was going to be a great game on Monday Night Football, and then the, the horrible thing happened to Hamlin, which which I think is fantastic that he's coming out of it. Um, yes. That was that was scary. We, you and I, I don't really think we talked about it on the podcast, but you and I have talked about it. It was that was nuts. Um, I think that was going to be a heck of a game. Now this is shaping up to just be, I think, game of the week, game of the year, maybe. I've got Buffalo at minus five. Is that right? Yes, Buffalo uh, giving five. Buffalo giving five in Buffalo. Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm taking Cincinnati to win. Same. Cincinnati to win. I got him to win. I don't like the way Josh Allen has been playing lately, man. He's been too, too erratic. Many turnovers. Too yes. many turnovers. Yeah. Yeah, no, too many turnovers. And they and they, you know what they, they they talk about that with Dable. That Dable was his offensive coordinator, and he when he came on the scene, he lowered those turnovers. And now that Dable's gone, that turnover number's going right back up. The talent's there. You can see it. And I love the way he runs the ball. I, I, I mean, I really – Josh Allen is – he reminds me of John Elway. We were talking about that. And he, he's, it's got a lot of Elway in him, running the ball, slinging it around. But he also has that Elway kind of do some stupid stuff every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, he kind of reminds me – and I remember when I heard this, a scout. I heard it from an NFL scout. and It's like Cam Newton. Think about it, man. I mean, they got the same bill, both really tall, very athletic guys. Cannon arms, you know, sometimes they can be a little bit of <laughs> erratic with the decision making. I am going to look the stats up on that because, in my brain, in my gut, I have to think Josh Allen's a better thrower than Cam Newton. Yeah, <laughs> Josh Allen is fascinating to me because I've never seen a player improve his completion percentage like he has. But did I mean, he his drop first couple years drop this year, though? Um, yeah, but just slightly. Okay. But I mean, when he first came into the league, and we're talking about almost historically yeah. bad. I mean, yeah. he's in the mid 50s. Yeah. From a completion percentage standpoint, I mean, like Tim Tebow, t- like completion percentage, and for him to get up to, you know, in the high 60s, it's been incredible to watch him rise. I, I did not believe that he was going to be a great player. So 
But on the other side of the ball, Cincinnati is an easy team to root for. I, I like Burrow. I think he's a fun player to watch. He slings the ball around. Jamar Chase might be the best receiver in the league. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got two Sooners at running back. Joe Mixon's always going to be kind of hard to root for just because of all that Joe Mixon brings. But, man, he's a tough runner. But then they play Samaje Ryan a lot, and he is yeah. easy to root for. I mean, he's the quintessential Sooner. Every Sooner fan loves him. Um, the problem for you guys is Texas is you don't have any players in the league right now to root for. In fact, when I go to the OU Texas game, the only highlights I ever see are Justin Tucker. Really? Yeah. Who else am I? Who else even plays football? In the well, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I was just too busy on the 49-0. I, I, that's all I remember from. That's fair. My bad. Uh, since it's going to be a fun game. Uh, and then lastly, I think the best team left is San Francisco, even with Brock Purdy. Even with Brock Purdy, if you told me at the beginning of the year, Dak Prescott or Brock Purdy, I, it would have been Dak every day. Oh, now, it still is for me. I, well, first of all, I know you're a Dak guy. I know you love Dak. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't no, 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 no. I don't love Dak. I, I will tell you that over Purdy, man, no. This is a very dude, Purdy's killing it, dude. He Purdy's is good. killing it. Why, why would it be any different against the Cowboys? If there is a team on this list of likely to do stupid crap, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Oh yeah, of course. I'm just talking about Dak Prescott versus Brock Purdy. That that's that's literally. I think San Francisco has a better team. Okay, listen, and I think they'll win the game. You got Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. You got uh, Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. You got Kittle, and I don't even know who their other receiver is. But those dudes, the, those three right there, could be your three as a group, the three best skill players in the league on one team. Yeah, and you've got the crazy play calling and play designing of. Texas Longhorn Kyle Shanahan. Did he go to Texas? He did. He played at Texas. He, do you remember the 2002 Red River Shootout? You remember that one? The, it was Nate Hibble and Chris Sims. Uh, I do. Both, I did not know. Both trying did. to lose a game. For yes. Yeah, that's all I remember. <laughs> there was a play where Sims threw one of his many interceptions, and the receiver kind of broke off on his route for some reason, and it was like a quick slant. And it was Kyle Shanahan. He was throwing oh, the ball to you. Seriously? He was a wide receiver, number 87 at Texas. Oh, well, that's just another reason to root for Dallas. But, no, I had no idea. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, man, here I am giving all this love to San Francisco. Dude, I think San Francisco – I really do. Defensively, they're fantastic. I, I think – just me. I know Kansas City's good. I, I get it. And I'm, maybe I'll be proven wrong. I think San Francisco is the best team left. I love their defense, man. D'Amico Ryans. Remember him, right? From Alabama, Houston Texans. Yes. Remember him, linebacker? I mean, oh, he's a defensive yeah. coordinator, and man, he's doing a really good job there. Yeah, he's getting, Nick Bosa. He's getting, look, he's getting looks at and, and he should. coaching jobs. He absolutely should, and I hope he gets one this year because that defense is really good. They've got a great line. Obviously, they got Nick Bosa. Uh, former Texas Longhorn, Charles Dominic, he was doing a good job there, too, on the other side. Rushing the passer. So, man, they're tough. And their linebackers, Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner. I mean, just oh. I don't love this secondary, but you don't have to have a great secondary when you get a pass rush and linebackers like that. The Cowboys, uh, I thought, played their best game of the of the of the year against Tampa Bay. Uh, Dak looked in complete control. And and Dak can have those games. He can have a game where you, you come out going, man, dude, I don't know. And then you can have a game like he did where you're like, man, that guy could be the best quarterback in the league. I mean, right. he looks 
and looks like it, like in control of the game, master of the offense, master of the clock, guys in the right spots, never needing a timeout, you know, always in control. And then other games where he looks completely lost, but not against Tampa Bay. I don't know how much I think it, I think two things are true at the same time. Tampa Bay was not very good and Dallas had a really good game. So I'm willing to say Dallas had a really good game. I like CD Lamb, although I still don't know that he's a number one receiver. I, I do like Lamb. I thought Dallas's tight ends played good. Micah Parsons, maybe the best player on the field between both teams. That dude is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I don't even know if it's a maybe. He, yeah, he's I mean he's a monster, man. Crap, right? I mean, you talk about both. He, both he's really fine. considered. Give me Micah Parsons. He's heavily considered OU coming out of high school. I don't know if you remember that. I do remember that. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. I was um, thinking, man, please don't go to, please don't go to OU, please. So, so <laughs> I think Dallas, I think this is a really good team for Dallas. I think the 49ers win in cover. I think it's three and a half. 49ers. I think they win in cover as well. I think it's a good game. So we're I think not even it's a gonna, close this, game. You're giving me no chance to have it. Hey, man. I should have made it. We agree, we agree. And, you know, usually I don't like agreeing with you. I'm usually right. I had no idea Kyle Shanahan was a Longhorn. That is disappointing. That is disappointing. Yeah, man. Hmm. Man, he can scheme some offense, though. He can. He can. I mean, those not from his dad, man. Those dudes run open like, um, like like you're watching a Lincoln Riley offense or something. Yeah, he just schemes them open big time. I mean, that and that's what's making you know because nobody likes Jimmy G. Right. I mean, all you hear about is how bad Jimmy G is. Well, all Jimmy G does when he's there is throw touchdowns to wide open guys. So why can't Brock Purdy do it? Um, it's I'm just wondering if is he going to have that moment, though? Is he going to have that rookie moment? It has to happen at some point. Right. Where he just throws just a horrible interception. I think that's what I'm think waiting on for him. I think it's a much better chance of happening in Philadelphia against the Eagles than it is against the Cowboys and Candle or not Candlestick and wherever they play. Where do they play? Uh, Levi Stadium is what it's Levi Stadium. Remember old Candlestick? That was the one, man. What a dumb. Come on. It feels all muddy. I loved it. I loved it, dude. I remember uh remember when uh, Joe Montana just got rocked. Oh by Lawrence Taylor? Oh, or no, no, no! It was was it Lawrence Taylor? Or was it Hamilton? It, one of those guys? Might have been it, was a, it was a giant. I don't think it was yeah. Taylor, but it doesn't. And that was it. That was at that was at Candlestick and in the mud. And man, he was just destroyed. Yeah, um, ninety-two NFC Championship game, Cowboys and 49ers there. Um, in that nasty muddy field, Cowboys went up there, got to the first Super Bowl, at least of the Jimmy Johnson era. So, Jimmy Johnson was a fun coach. People forget that Barry Switzer. Barry, Barry Switzer, you still have to be a good coach to win a Super Bowl. I don't care. He does not get right. enough credit winning a national, winning three national championships and a Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, just, you got to give him credit for it. You, do. you know, uh, did you ever watch Troy Aikman, The Life? You know, the the the, the yeah, the football life. Yeah, he cannot stand. He did not like Barry Switzer as his head coach. He just didn't like him. He couldn't stand the way he was operated. Well, and, and it's funny because he was so excited when Switzer got hired, because he was saying this guy is the greatest motivator I've ever seen. Yeah. And he was just the ultimate players coach in the NFL. Just kind of, he yeah. was just there to kind of steer the ship. Wasn't like Jimmy Johnson who would just end their face all the time. Well, he couldn't do that either though. I mean, he's not Jimmy Johnson. And if you tried to come in and beat yeah. Jimmy Johnson, it wouldn't have been received well. They made it. 
They made it to an NFC championship game against a Steve Young-led 49ers team. That's not a bad team. That was I remember. A good, that was a good oh, team. Oh, it was a great team. Deion Sanders on that team at the absolute peak of his career, defensive well, player of the year. Jerry Rice is still on that team. Jerry Rice, and He's still in his prime. Yeah. Who hadn't missed a step. I don't think he missed a step at 95. So, I mean, so everybody's mad at, you know, Barry then for losing to a very good team and then goes and wins a Super Bowl the next year and still just never get – I don't know. I, maybe that's yeah, – I, I know that's a little homerism, but I just always a little bugged by it. I was like, yeah, you should get some credit for it. Real quick, on that, that game that they lost, that NFC Championship game, you want to talk about a nightmare start for the Cowboys. Troy comes out, throws a pick six. Yep. Second drive, they throw a slant to Michael Bourbon. He catches it, gets hit, fumbles the ball. They go down to score the very next play. Then on the kickoff, Kevin Williams fumbles the kickoff. San Francisco recovers and scores in two plays. So it's like five minutes gone, and it's 21-0. But they came back and made it a they game. They came back and made it a game, yeah. I think Michael Bourbon, that's probably the best game of his career, I mean. I think he had like 12 catches, almost 200 yards receiving, three touchdowns. He was unreal. I remember that season because the 49ers played the Chargers in the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, man. And yeah. They just killed him. And all I remember is Steve Young. And I was never a Steve Young fan because I was always a Joe Montana guy. I never liked Steve Young. I always thought Joe Montana got the shaft. Like all the dude did was win you four Super Bowls. Like, what are we even doing here? But that's fine. Whatever. So they had Steve Young. And remember when he's like going on walking around the sideline, like, Pulling the imaginary monkey off his back. Yeah, Do you remember that? Off my back. He's like, Never the forget off it. My back. The monkey's yeah. off my back, and I'm like, "Come on, bro!" Like, I don't. Know. <laughs> I just, I He's just not a Steve was, Young guy. I, I don't even know if I like him on ESPN right now. I don't even know if I like Fair him enough. on ESPN. He's kind of I mean, pompous a little bit. He's a little know-it-all-ish, and yeah, you know, he's. I, I think he's he was, one of those smartest in the room guys. Smart guy. We're gonna go to BYU. Yeah, he went to BYU. No, he's a, no. He's an attorney, lawyer. But you're 100 percent right. He thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, and and hell, maybe he is. I don't know, but he probably he's, is. He probably is. But, but he just bugs you never me. want to tell people that. Kevin, we just went an hour and nine minutes. I was, you know, what I was worried about that we wouldn't have enough to talk about today because college football is over. But clearly, the Boomer Bevo podcast can bring it whenever we want. So yeah. for all you listeners out there, wherever you're listening to us, whether it's on the Ref Podomatic or you're checking us out on YouTube. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, whatever the case may be. Check us out. We're going to try to do a show every couple weeks uh, to keep putting out some content for you guys. We love the support we've gotten over the last uh, three or four months of football season, and we want to make sure we keep bringing you stuff during the offseason. So if there's something you want us to talk about, hit us up in the comments. Hit us on Twitter. I am off Twitter. In other words, it's not on my phone anymore, but your man Kevin Miller is checking all the tweets. So you can hit him, and if you want to say nasty things about me, feel free to put it in there. Kevin, I love it, dude. I'm looking forward to some football. Um, we'll get something before the Super Bowl, and we'll break it all down. But uh, have a good night. Boomer. Hook him.